Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, ladies and gentlemen, 500 episodes. I'll tell you what. The only thing I can really say is thank you. I appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you sharing the show where you can. And I've got another one for you here. The discussion that I have here is with Tate Prouse. Tate lives in the town where I do, and he's gone nose to nose with city council. He is suing and has sued every member of city council, including the city manager and the chief of police. As you might expect, these individuals have it coming. And the ordinance that they passed a couple of years ago, of course, had to do with limiting the amount of people that could actually congregate or just meet together on private property, including one's own home. And again, this is unheard of. So with all of that said, you're going to hear his entire story here, where these particular cases, and he talks about two separate cases, both having to do with city council, but one has to do again with the mass gathering and another one has to do with his personal property. But what you'll hear is, is where those cases sit, the entire backstory, and how, frankly, this is happening all over the United States in every town and city that you can possibly imagine. We also, of course, get into the issue of how all of these mask-wearing weirdos are likely to come back. We know that most of them haven't gone away, but they're going to they're gonna come back, and, and they're doing this again. They're pushing the variant lie again, and we get into that just a little bit, but you'll have to stay tuned for Wednesday's show because Wednesday's show is also going to be a big one. I've got a lot of content, still putting it together, and going to run through a number of different scenarios regarding that. But with all of that aside, give this conversation a listen, and Tate is a perfect example of someone who taught himself the law. He's not a lawyer, doesn't affiliate with lawyers, he simply just learned about the law himself, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what the Founding Fathers had in mind. This was the whole point. Know what your rights are, learn what your rights are, stand up for yourself, and defend those rights no matter what, and no matter what the cost. And he's doing it. And he's making moves again that endless other people have not made. I understand there's lots of lawsuits out there. There are a lot of people who, again, are clamping down on, on the moves that school boards can make and city councils can make in the future. But what he lays out here is excellent advice for anybody. Because, again, the powers that be and the enemy is going to try this again. They have to. They have no choice. As you've heard me say there in Zutzfang, when it comes to chess, no matter what move they make in the future, they're only hurting themselves. We know it, but they don't, which is what makes them dangerous because they're dangerously stupid. So with all of that said, here's Tate, here's our discussion, and I'll catch you on Wednesday. Peace. One thing that I wanted to preface, first of all, is that you have said this in a couple of your shows in regard to what's happening with me. These are two completely different scenarios. Um, they didn't, the, the city did not retaliate against me in any way because of the mass gathering ordinance. It did not intermix with the grass. They're two completely separate incidents. Gotcha. Just to let you know that. So essentially municipal overreach is at an all time high. Uh, you could make the argument, obviously, also that the federal government is overreaching. But when it comes right down to it, in my opinion, and in a lot of other smart people's opinions that are interact, like we get 95% of our tyranny comes from our counties 
and comes from our municipalities. We get this circus show, bread and circuses that were fed about, you know, what Nancy Pelosi or AOC or whatever this, you know, jackass Republicans are doing. That's just a clown show that our real enemy is far closer to home than we realize. I think it's starting to obviously become more evident that our municipalities, our counties, they're the ones that are running roughshod over us. So in 2020, the city of Oxford implemented in line with Governor uh, DeWine's recommendations. That's all these were, were recommendations about uh, mass gathering limitations. He may have had an order somewhere, but it didn't apply to anyone. It really so they, they, DeWine prefaced in this speech. Now these are just recommendations. These are recommendations. So the city of Oxford couldn't take it, and they had to be because they're just you know Bracken and Snavely, and they're just saviors of us all, and they were just clamoring to do something as much as possible. So they implemented a mass gathering ordinance within the city of Oxford. They went about doing this with this express purpose of having it be applicable to every man, woman, and child in Oxford. They didn't care that their ordinance is only, their ordinances are only applicable to quote unquote persons, statutory persons. We'll get to that later. The definition of person for most listening, it's not you. When you go read your definitions of your codes and ordinances in your county or in your city, or even within like the Ohio Revised Code, they do a really bad job with their with their code writings. You go read the definition of person, and it'll say something like this. It'll say individual, trust, business trust, partnership, association, LLC, something along those lines. Well, well okay, well, the city of Oxford wants to make their ordinances are only applicable to persons. That's how they write the ordinances, all of them. You go read a definition like that, and you'll quickly realize, well, I'm not a trust. I'm not an LLC. I'm not a partnership. I'm not an association. I'm not any of those corporate corporate entities. Well, what about individual? Well, that's what they try to argue, and that's what they try to lump you into believing that you're, some, you're just defined as an individual. It, and I digress a little bit here. So getting back to what the city did, they passed an ordinance. The legislature, the, the city council passed this mass gathering ordinance to limit the number of persons that are able to be in a house at one time. They, they set an arbitrary and capricious number of 10 based on what I don't know. So they went around they had the, they they had meetings about this uh it's in you can go back I, I use that as two very powerful exhibits uh the city council meetings where they are literally talking about this and deliberating and chief jones says i don't want to do this i i, I chief jones was frankly pretty adamant that he was begging them more or less to use laws already on the books let me use our you know, nu nuisance party ordinance. Let me use littering or let me use something else. He did not want to pass this. He even expressly said, there's a First Amendment right to peaceable assembly. We can't just go take someone peacefully off of their yard just for being there. My right 
my, my family and I, this happened in, it started in June of 2021. There was a viral video that was on YouTube of cops coming to bust up Miami kids at a party. They, the Gestapo was making phone calls. Oh, I see 12 people. There are too many people out on the porch. So the little ninnies of Oxford uh, would call in and turn in their fellow man and have police show up the door. So the police showed up at the door to this college party, told them that they were too many people. They find them. This made the rounds. Then our, our now mayor, then Vice Mayor Snavely, went on CNN, went on Don Lemon's show, and bragged about this. He went and bragged, and, and they, he and Don Lemon yucked it up for a while, and Snavely advocated for even harsher penalties. He wanted expulsions from Miami. So that's what he advocated for. So my family and I, were we were planning a gathering of multiple. Like, we'd get together for Christmas and, and you know, the holidays, Thanksgiving. We decided, based on the threat of punishment, I live, you know, right on very busy part of town. So uh, if we had too many cars there, if, whatever the case might be, we decided to not get together throughout the holiday season of 2021 uh, based on the threat of punishment from this ordinance and from the enforcement that we had seen going on, that we continued to see, that our, that our vice mayor bragged about. So essentially what that is, my case for this lawsuit, it is nuanced, it is a chilling effect case. So when the government passes a law, that's how that usually is supposed to be, not an ordinance or a code, but when they pass a law that is violative of a First Amendment right and punishes a First Amendment right, that can have what is said to be a chilling effect on one's rights. That is what happened with my First Amendment right. I argued, it was something I had to argue quite heavily. Uh, that is what the defense standing that i didn't have standing to sue because you were never no no police ever knocked on your door you were never fined by this you were never cited but therefore you don't have standing is what the argument was i made the proper case uh made the proper arguments and the magistrate lo and behold the one thing that she granted to me in her ruling was that i had standing so anyway i don't want to get We'll get to there. So that's the first case. It was a mass gathering ordinance that the city passed. Uh, the second lawsuit that I have against the city is pertaining, essentially it revolves around property rights and the rights of the citizens of the United States and the citizens of Oxford, particularly within the city of Oxford. So I, I, I'm a golfer. I like the way golf courses look with long rough. And, and I just wanted to do this. My brother had tried to do it two years prior at our house, I grew my grass out in like a prairie style. Uh, I mowed around the trees, I edged around the trees, and I mowed from like tree to tree. So there were pathways. It almost looked like a golf course where there were pathways from tree to tree, and then the trees were nicely edged and trimmed, but the rest I let grow. So I ended up getting a note notation citation on my door that they came up and posted taped on my window 
that basically told me, don't do this. You're in violation of this property maintenance code. I just, I continued to grow my grass out because it's my property. I wanted to grow my damn grass out. I think it looks good. So even, even though, even though the golf course in town did the exact same thing. Exactly. They started doing that. Lo and behold, they started doing this. I was a trendsetter, not, not to be braggadocious, but yeah, the golf course started growing out there, heather grass, uh, all around the golf course and all around the, you know, that one area that used to be the pool that you're, uh, if you're familiar with it. Yeah. So yeah, the golf course did the exact same thing. Uh, lo and behold, this created, cause I also, it, it, this, what this did was attracted more bees. It attracted more rabbits. It attracted, uh, Eastern bluebirds. And lo and behold, I ended up getting, uh, we had fox sightings in our yard. So it even had, we even had fox that were coming around because of them, because the rabbits were more protected. You know, there are more rabbits. So therefore fox came around. It was awesome. I thought it looked really good. I still am doing it in my backyard. So the city of Oxford has now passed an ordinance for natural lawns. Uh, they passed this a couple of months ago. I don't know if you're familiar with, if you knew about that, but they actually did this based on what I was doing. It had, it created a little bit of a stir and especially the, the, the environmental aspects of this. I was using less gasoline. It was, I'm not using, you know, what we consider a, a, a good yard is a yard that's mowed short and has pesticides sprayed all over it. I'm not, of all the things that the city should be encouraging, it's what I was doing. But instead they played out their process. Their process included another threat. I didn't know anything back then in relation to what I know now from a legal standpoint, but I knew that I wanted to set a record. I knew that I needed to have, a, I just knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to get as many eyes on this as possible. <clears throat> so I went to the police department, filed a criminal complaint against Laura Borzo. She is one of the defendants in this case. She was the property, uh, the code enforcement officer that came to my property, came onto my parents' property and posted notice there. She, she and I were in email communication. So anyway, I went and filed a criminal complaint at the city, uh, at the Oxford Police Department for trespassing and for, it's called menacing by stalking. What she was doing fit that criminal code. So police officers, no, we can't do anything. They at least went over and talked to her. They, they went and talked to her. She's since gone. She's since fled and went up to somewhere. I want to New Delhi, I think a couple hours away. She's a code enforcement officer there now. So the, the police at least went and talked to her. She said, well, we were allowed to do that. We can do what we can do that. And that's what the police told me. He said, you know, nothing. We're not doing it. We're not pursuing this. And I asked him, so doesn't it strike you as a little odd? How, how can they, how, you need a warrant to come onto property. Do you not? How is it that they are permitted to go on anyone's property whenever they want without a warrant? He had no answer for that. He didn't have an answer and they don't have an answer because they're not supposed to be doing this. They're supposed to be going onto property. They can go onto property that is being used for commercial activities, property that is, you know, that has a nexus with the state of Ohio and therefore the city of Oxford properties like Oxford real estate or Walmart or, or Taco Bell or any other legal person, frankly, that's what those are. That's what, the, that's who they can legislate upon. Not we, the people, we, the people are sovereign. We, the people have inalienable rights that are not to be especially violated by code enforcement officers 
the code enforcement were doing things that the state of Ohio can't do. It just, it's, it's just nonsensical. So they played out their process. I, I kept in communication. I was pleading with Doug Elliott and Sam Perry. Sam Perry, there's, there's two other defendants in the case. Doug Elliott is the uh, city manager. Sam Perry is the oh, the community development director. Essentially, he's the code enforcement boss, amongst other things. I included all of them in the emails. They didn't. They, I, I, my mom sent an affidavit that was composed by me, essentially saying that they don't have any rights to our non-commercial private property. Please stay off. They kept doing it, kept doing it, played out their process, and eventually, which eventually led to them coming, them hiring a third-party lawn care company to go onto our property and bushwhack it. I this, which this killed all this, chopped up all the grass, also a couple of sycamore tree saplings that I was that my wife and I saved from we transplanted them from somewhere else. Very I mean, it's sentimental value. Chop those up. So that happened in October. Uh, I had essentially two years statute of limitations. So that was my second lawsuit that I filed it was for, it was another title 42 section 1983 lawsuit around property rights. Uh, Fourth amendment, fifth amendment takings clause, Eighth Amendment excessive fines for my mom. She was fined one hundred and fifty dollars, so it ended up being five hundred and seventy dollars in total. There, they included a one hundred and fifty dollar fine for an alleged removal of a placard. They supposedly left a posting on our yard that was then supposedly, with no evidence, removed by us, which. There's no evidence that I can't, there's no evidence that was placed there. There's no evidence that it was taken by us. And so my mom got a $150 fine for that. Uh, then I'm doing a couple of, there's a nuance to this one as well. I'm also arguing the Ninth Amendment uh, in my 1983 lawsuit, which is an oft, a very rarely used uh, amendment that is, very important, frankly. It's one of probably the most important. It essentially says, to, uh, to paraphrase, no, uh, these rights that are enumerated in the first eight amendments do not necessarily say that there are not unenumerated rights that are also that the people enjoy. I'm butchering it. But it's basically just because we have, you know, the first amendment, second amendment, just because we've listed all these rights, there are still unenumerated rights that are inherent in the people. Right to property is one of them. That is what I'm arguing. Uh, in the Ohio Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, you every Ohioan has the right to acquire, possess, and protect property. So therefore, I am arguing that the Ninth Amendment protects that right as well. And then we've got the 14th Amendment, which makes all of this possible. Uh, the 14th Amendment is your gateway. The 14th Amendment is possibly the greatest thing that we've had for freedom in this country, you know, and maybe ever. Uh, it essentially grants to sue the states. I shouldn't say the states. It essentially makes the states liable to some degree for their transgressions. This came about after uh, the Civil War, at the Reconstruction. States were doing horrendous things in the South, not only to blacks, to freed slaves, but to 
Republicans, uh, mainly. It was the KKK Act. Like, the KKK was actually the Socialist Democrat Party, if you can believe that. Go figure. They're a terrorist organization. Much like they, they haven't changed their colors, now they've just, you know, gone in disguise and become Fabian Socialists. But that is what the KKK was, the Democratic Socialist Party, and they were killing Republicans at voting booths. They were terrorizing the states, particularly in the South. And so the 14th Amendment was put in place to essentially make it make the states have to uh, make the states have to not make it was so that the states wouldn't be able to violate people's rights up until the 14th Amendment. States could essentially do whatever the hell they wanted, which is like there's a case called Baron v. Baltimore where a, la- a guy that owned a fishing wharf, like he owned several slips within the Baltimore Harbor, the city of Baltimore diverted a river, which had mud flow into the harbor, screwed up this whole guy's life, essentially. He argued that this was a taking by the city of Baltimore, but the city of Baltimore didn't have to follow the Bill of Rights. They, they, they were immune, basically. This is a huge case. So the 14th Amendment put an end to that. It made the states have to have to abide by the Bill of Rights, if that makes sense. That's the two cases that I have going on right now. So where do these cases sit now? Well, the grass case is further along. The grass case was filed five or six months earlier. I'm sorry. The mass gathering case is six months ahead of the grass case. The mass gathering case, I just had an oral argument in front of Federal District Court Judge Cole based on it's the defense filed what's called a Rule 12C motion for judgment on the pleadings. It's a dispositive motion, so it essentially can get rid of the case uh, or streamline it. You know, if I didn't have particular claims. It could eliminate, let's say if I had six claims, it could eliminate four claims, two could progress forward. So the magistrate order, I have this magistrate, Magistrate Likovitz, uh, every case in federal court, you're going to be assigned a magistrate and a district judge. The magistrate essentially does all the busy work. They do the the little motions, the, the little filings, but they cannot dispose of a case. But what they can do is file what's called a report and recommendation. So the report and recommendation is permitted to be filed by the magistrate. The district court judge gives her, gives he or her the ability to do that. The magistrate then goes through the case and makes a report on it and a recommendation. So Magistrate Likovitz, who anyone that Google searches her, or just Google search Magistrate Likovitz, hippopotamus, you'll see this woman is a loon. Uh, she's made horrific rulings in the past, and this one was no different, with a slight exception. The only thing that she granted to me was that I had standing. She said that I had standing. At least she said that, but the rest of her ruling was an abomination for, an, for a magistrate judge in the federal court. Pathetic. Uh, basically, she said that my First Amendment right could be abridged for legitimate government purpose, as long as it was narrowly tailored to suit a legitimate government purpose. That's the language that these courts use, which is an absurdity and a misapplication. But I digress with that. So she said that because I could email my family, because I could 
call them on the phone because we could Skype that I had other avenues to meet with them just because of it. I just couldn't meet with them in person. Oh my God. Like uh, uh, shocking to read what she put the paper. So I just, I filed a objection to that. I had to file an objection to the magistrate's ruling after the objection was filed. They, the defense filed an answer to their response to that. And I decided that I wanted to have the last word. So I filed a motion for oral argument on the motion for judgment on the pleadings. I just had that two weeks ago. You know, I spoke about that a little while ago. Uh, I think you listened to it and it didn't go great. Uh, I had expectations, higher expectations for Judge Cole. He asked me some questions that were like, oh, like really kind of dumb, frankly. Like, what happens if, can you punch a guy? What happens if a guy comes over to your house, a friend, and, and you punch him in the face? I said, well, that, that's assault. I can't do that. Well, why, 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 can, why can the city legislate that, but they can't tell you you can't have 10 people over at your house? Uh-oh. Well, there's the First Amendment, sir. So <clears throat> I had that a couple weeks ago. I would anticipate it takes six to eight weeks. That's my guess based on what, how long it took the magistrate to make her recommendation. I would guess it takes six to eight weeks for the judge to make a ruling. Uh, I'm just going to continue and finish with that case. So there are multiple things that could happen. He could, the judge could essentially say, I adopt the report and recommendation in whole, in part, or none at all. So the key to this case is getting around, and the key to any case, frankly, when it comes to suing individuals in their personal capacity, which I've sued the city council, the mayor, the chief of police, and the city manager, all in their individual and official capacities. An individual capacity claim with a government employee, they have what's called immunity, various types of immunity. Qualified immunity is typically for executive branch, police officers. That's what Chief Jones and Doug Elliott all have to overcome. And then what's more difficult is the city council has what's called absolute legislative immunity. And the judges, you know, in the last 30, 40 years have given them this. There's a part of me that understands it, but ultimately it's being abused. So as long as they're under, as long as they're legislating, as long as they're in their legislative capacity, they are absolutely, absolutely immune from suit unless they act outside the scope of their employment. And as shocking and silly as this sounds, violating, whether knowingly or unknowingly, violating constitutional rights is not considered outside the scope, according to the Sixth Circuit. They can violate constitutional, it can be, it can be found that yes this piece of legislation did violate the constitution but you still cannot sue them in their individual capacity because of legislative immunity so getting around that i am arguing that they acted outside their scope in multiple ways the main way being that they are only capable of legislating to persons statutory persons they did not do that they purposefully did not do that. They knew that they were not doing that. They don't know any better. They're incompetent. They're ignorant. They don't know that their ordinances and codes are only supposed to be applicable to individuals, trusts, business trusts, partnerships, associations, etc. And while I'm on the subject again, uh, individual 
typically would be something like a doctor, uh, a lawyer, a stenographer, an auctioneer, a private contractor, someone that is licensed to do something, someone that is licensed through the state. It's a human being that are, that are ascribed rights and privileges with their job. So they are, and they're often also called a natural person. That's how, whenever you see natural person in a statute, well, uh, well, you're a natural person. <laughs> no, I'm not an individual. I'm not a natural person. Those are often the same thing. Like the, the chief of police in his official capacity, they are often referred to as natural persons. Same with the mayor, same with the city council. They have rights and duties ascribed to that man or woman via their occupation. Now, that doesn't mean that every time you see the word individual within a code or an ordinance, that that applies to a doctor. You know, the doctors, it, 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 it depends on the statute, if that makes sense. So, you know, as you, in your capacity as a teacher or, let's say, a principal, you would be considered an individual within statutes pertaining to school. Does that make sense? You know, see what I mean, Sean? Absolutely. So. Yeah, so you would be like within that particular statute, you could be considered an individual or a natural person. But within a statute that applies to medical or construction, you wouldn't be. So that's the that's the trick that is being played on us all is that we've become I didn't know any of this and I understand that most all of us don't know this, but the the bar association and their frankly most evil organization on the face of the earth is the bar. They're responsible for all this. If you, if, I, if you could distill it down, it's the lawyers. It's and, and it's also shame on us, we the people, for being dumbed down to the point of not knowing how to enforce our rights. Because what we have to do now is go to a lawyer, and the lawyers ain't going to do it. They, they're in bed with – you don't go up against the family. You don't go against the municipalities. You don't do that as a lawyer. They know better, unless it's like an open and shut discrimination case or something. These – Lawyers don't do it because they're asked, they're dirtbags, and they're only in it, they're, they're in it to obfuscate, they're in it to milk from the people. So shame on us, we the people have been dumbed down to the point where we can't enforce our own rights. We don't know how to proceed in the court. We should. As far as I'm concerned, these are some of the foundational principles that we should be learning in school. Uh, only reason I learned it is, it's the, I think I've sent you the, the link, it's howtowinincourt.com. I would encourage everyone listening out there sign up for it. It's $250 for a year subscription that you then renew for $90 every year thereafter. I'll probably have it for the rest of my life. It's a, it's a great introductory course on building a foundation on how to navigate through the court system. It is not as difficult as you think. This, the, the, the descriptions that I'm making here, it's a little, my, my cases are very nuanced, but once you learn this stuff and once the pieces start falling into place, I firmly believe that this is the solution. We know what's going on. We can talk about it. We can point it out. We can go to city council and we can our bitching at them. Our, our, our going to you know going to school board meetings. It does some good. But when we start filing injunctions, when we start filing lawsuits, we are going to start seeing real changes. And I think that is imperative on everyone here to to. Go at least get the process started to understand this stuff. It's not as hard as you might think, and that's how we're going to start making some really really big changes. Uh, there are a lot of really cool lawsuits, you know, that are going around right now in a couple of the Telegram groups that I'm in. Uh, I'm just going to name them. 
one in particular is Alphonse Fagiola. Anyone out there, join Alphonse Fagiola's Telegram group. It is incredible. A lot of information, a lot of really good people doing really incredible things there, all from the legal standpoint. Alphonse is in Pennsylvania. He just filed in May. A property tax lawsuit against Delaware County. It has the implications of this will be far-reaching, countrywide. None of us should be paying property taxes uh, unless we are conducting business at our homes. That's that, that's that's the way that our found. That's the way that our country was supposed to work. We're not supposed to be getting kicked off of our land, our property for owing ten thousand, twenty thousand. You guys. $10,000 that the sheriffs will come kick you out for owing, supposedly owing that to the county or to the municipal corporation. Nonsense. We're getting tax out of our homes. We shouldn't be paying these taxes unless you're operating a business at your property. You have zero, there's, there's zero reason for you to be paying property taxes. But unfortunately, it's just been ingrained generation after generation. Well, everybody pays property taxes. Everybody does. No. Go back and read your Federalist Papers, go back and read your Constitution, and come back and talk to me, because you shouldn't be paying property taxes. Anyway, that's Alphonse Fagiola's uh, Telegram group and a couple others. I would encourage everyone out there to join Telegram, get on Alphonse Fagiola, join his group, and take the jurisdictionary course. So that's just a little tangent there. Uh, regarding the grass case, so the grass case... I, I have until September 5th, defense has filed a motion to dismiss. I've amended my complaint to add my mom is actually a co-plaintiff with me uh, because as I filed the first lawsuit, they filed a motion to dismiss because it was only me. And frankly, it was silly of me to have filed it this way. Looking back on it, it has actually helped because the defense filed a motion to dismiss and they essentially gave me a playbook on how to make my complaint better. So I amended it, added my mom to it. She and I are going forward with this lawsuit, various constitutional rights that were violated from both of us. This is the grass case. Once again, they, they entered her property as well. You know, they fined her. She's the one that was fined. So she had rights violated as well. That case I have until September 5th to file my, my reply in opposition to their motion to dismiss. They filed another boilerplate motion to dismiss it's pathetic they're they're citing case law that is zoning cases not at all applicable this isn't a zoning case they filed a case where this particular it's chalker v howland township they found a dead body at this house the house the the, 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 the chief of fire department was there the health inspector there this place was in utter disrepair four feet of water in the basement like uh, horrific conditions. That's what they're trying to compare with my case. Uh, funny thing about that case. So what the township ended up doing in that case <clears throat> is what the cities do is they're supposed to file in regard to, and they're supposed to follow in regard to their police powers. They're granted police. What municipalities are? They're simply arms of the, the executive branch of government. They are granted rights and duties through the general assembly. They then are able to, they can write some of their own codes and ordinances pertaining to their own structure, pertaining to their own municipal government. That's called uh, home rule powers. It's in Article 18 of the Ohio Constitution. So they cannot go outside of general law when it comes to their police, sanitor, sanitary, and other similar regulations. This is Article 
three sex, I'm sorry, article 18, section three of the Ohio constitution. So when it comes to police powers, these municipalities are supposed to follow the Ohio revised code or the Pennsylvania code or whatever your state statutes are called. That is what they're supposed to follow when it comes to enforcing their police powers. The city of Oxford did not do that. They did not do that at all. But getting back to the township, this chalker, the dead body in the house. So the township ended up following procedure according to the Ohio revised code, but they didn't follow it all the way. They never gave the chalkers a hearing and they ended up burning down their house. They ended up, they gave them a 30 day notice after, after a certain amount of days, it was, they deemed it a, an emergency. I think the chalkers like after 16 days or 20 days, they burned down their house and burned down their garage, uh, without giving them a hearing. It was determined by the court that the township trustees, the individuals in their individual capacity, that they did not have qualified immunity because of what they did, because they didn't follow the code properly. That is, that is the case that defense cited. I read the whole case. It actually works for me to my advantage greatly in the grass case. So it's almost like these defense, they just, they don't know these lawyers, frankly, if you do your due diligence and you just work your work, your work pretty hard for a couple of years, you're going to be better than most of these attorneys that, especially like the, the, the city solicitors, these are the flunkies. These are the, these are the, the good attorneys go to Goldman Sachs. They go to JP Morgan. They go to work for the, you know, the, the, the ones that barely make the grade, they go to work for the municipalities. So that's where we are. And I, I'm not underestimating them by any stretch. They're, they're poultry. They're, they're Arguments are pathetic. Uh, they lie. They, they literally manipulate case law. They don't tell the truth. It's disgusting what they do. It's really, they don't follow the rules at all. So that's what, his name's Dr. Graves. He is the creator of Jurisdictionary, former lawyer. He stresses to everyone, you follow the rules. The rules rule. You follow the rules better than the other guy. You set your, you set your record. and You always make sure you set your record for appeal. That's what I'm doing. I'm fully prepared and anticipating to take this to the Sixth Circuit and maybe even further if it comes to that. But I am going after, I, I am not going to be satisfied, especially when it comes to the city council. I want them to be sued in their individual capacity. I'm sure that this is going back to the mass gathering case, jumping from case to case. So with the mass gathering case, I'm pretty certain that the judge is going to give them legislative immunity. I can't wait to see what bullshit case he, he, he he uh, uses as excuse for it. It's going to be nonsensical, I'm sure. But I'm not going to be satisfied. I want to. I want their individual capacity. I want to. I'm, I'll probably take it to the sixth suit. I'm sorry, to the sixth circuit. We'll argue the statutory construction of person and how what the city council did was outside the scope of the, their legislative authority. So that's essentially a synopsis of where I am with these two cases. Is there anything to? addressing this at the next level if it reaches that when, when it comes to just bringing up the fallacy of the entire charade here that gets into the weeds uh as i i barely mentioned covid and the nonsense that it was i did mention it within my uh i lambasted the on my objection to the magistrate's report and recommendation i got into i used about a page of the of, of a page of me expressing my feelings about how this is a phantom where all of this is being done with something that's never been proven. Our liberties are being just absolutely violated. You know, the tests, 
Carrie, I brought up Carrie Mullis that the tests are we're testing for something that's never was the never intent to test for that was never the intent of the PCR test. Uh, I brought all that up, but ultimately that gets into a, a weeds argument that I don't want to go down. I'm sticking to rights being violated, zero uh, that they did not have authority to do these things. When you start getting into he said, she said, there are some cases that are going on where they are getting into that argument. They are talking about PCR tests. They are talking about, you know, the governors and how they were outside the scope. Of these orders, these mandates had nothing. They are, they're being forced to talk about, you know, that big elephant in the room. Uh, but my case, not, it's not the play. It's not the right, it's not the right thing to argue. And I haven't argued it at all. And they've, the defense has kind of argued it a little bit in, in terms of emergency powers, all this shit. Uh, sorry, go. There's no such thing as emergency powers in our Constitution, and we have laws on the books in the Ohio Revised Code to deal with infectious diseases. We have a lot of laws that they didn't follow. Uh, so that's essentially it's not an argument that I want to go down. Although clearly, um, uh, it, it's a charade. It's a fan, it's the whole narrative is nonsense. But it's not something that is that is needing to be argued in my case. Yeah, unfortunately, again, you may know this, but having talked with the county prosecutor, he told me it was a matter of a debate. And he said, you can't have debates in a courtroom. It's about getting a conviction, and this all this mass COVID stuff is all just a big debate. And I thought, no, it's not a debate. There are, you know, there are clearly facts associated with it, and then there are lies. But there's no, there's no back and forth. It just becomes, according to him, what a person believes and what they don't believe. And I thought, well, you know, as we've discussed in the past, that right there sort of defines the perfect crime. If you can convince people that facts might not be facts and a falsehood might not be a falsehood, well, then it enters the giant waiting pool of a debate and they want nothing to do with it in a courtroom. Right. And creating phantoms is what the government is all about. You have a war on terror. What does that mean? It's, it's some, um, it's, you know, sure, it started out to go get Saddam and Al Qaeda and all this, but it's an endless war. We have a war on, you know, uh, the, the climate change will be the, we, the war on the weather. Like it's too hot. So we got to do the, so we, or a virus is out there with something we can't, that cannot be proven. That is often used as a boogeyman. We always have a boogeyman to fight so that, you know, the war machine can keep on making bombs and we can keep on making Pfizer billions and trillion their stock goes up, make pills and all the vaccines, the list goes on. What I am thinking though, what, I, what we need to start doing is using, I agree frankly with the prosecutor, like we, we can't go in there. I can't, you can't go in there and argue this set of facts based on, you know, what doctors or what Carrie Mullis said or what I don't forget. I know you don't like 10 penny or whatever. Like I think, Malone's a piece of garbage too, but you can't go in and argue that because they'll bring in Fauci. They'll bring in their own bullshit to exactly. talk about germ. So talk about germ theory. But what we can do, there's an Ohio Revised Code, I believe, about children uh, not being able to be. You can't suffocate a kid like restricting their breathing. I believe that is. An Ohio, I know it's in other states where it is. Uh, there is a code in the law that states. You can't do, you can't restrict a child's breath. Hey, what are masks? This is the thing that we should be doing is filing criminal complaints based on the actual codes that they are violating. I talked to you about Edna Southern the other day. I thought about, I've, I've just got, if I didn't have so much on my plate, I'd file a criminal complaint against her and file it with the 
court of common pleas. There's a process that you can actually file criminal complaints with that court uptown in Oxford, uh, for, and they're going to have to do it. I can send that information to you if you'd like. That's how we start getting these people's filing real criminal complaints in courts, making them show up and explain themselves. So Edna Southern was out there handing out, <clears throat> excuse me, what they call bookmarkers, but it had vote no on issue one. Like that's uh, against. Of that's a violation of Ohio Revised Codes. That's influencing people going into vote. You're not allowed to do that. That's a crime. Uh, you know, like I said, restricting the breath of a child. Crime. Pornographic material. That's what these books in the damn libraries, Talawanda and all over. Yeah, horrific books where they're talking about horrific things for children. That is, there, there, there are codes on the books that we could write criminal complaints, file them with our local common pleas court stop this stuff, file it against the damn school board that doesn't want to do it. We got to do these things ourselves because these cowards in government, the prosecutor, they're cowards they're, and they're selfish. They're out for themselves and they don't want to rock the vote. Those of us that want that are our voices are sure we're, we're, we're being heard and we're, we're doing our best to get the word out. But at a certain point with the words out, we got to start taking action. And I'm, I'm talking about filing criminal complaints in court that they have to come and show up to, to negate that. Uh, it at least would get, it'll probably get dismissed. You'd have, you know, I'm sure the prosecutor would come in and say, oh, we don't have, you, you get your evidence and you pursue it. Uh, we start doing that, we start making changes. We start filing injunctions. Like I said, not, you know, we start filing injunctions and lawsuits. We start making changes. That's how we do it. That's my opinion. We take back our country through the courts. The courts are there for us. They're the, the Judge Wapner, they're, they're the people's courts. They're our courts. We've got to learn how to operate in them. With mass noncompliance at the exact same time, yeah? I would not disagree with that at all. Yep. Uh, we, we, yeah. Stop wearing the damn mask. Stop. But, but you know, I, the, the coercion was so in, incredible with threatening people's jobs, you know, with especially with the shot. Like, But at the same time, hey, if you're not going to stand for the I knew that. I mean, I'm sure you were one of the guys that, I was calling this from the beginning. If, you're, if you can't say no to the mask, you are not going to say no to that vaccine. I'm sorry. It's yeah. just not going to happen. And that, that it's to, to, a, to a most, most, to a very large degree, that's exactly how it played out. And it's a shame. And a lot of people got this injection and they were, they were because they started suffocating themselves before. You got to stand up. But I agree. Mass, mass noncompliance and freaking suing their asses, learning how to take the country back through the court system. I, I see that as the only, frankly, I see that our, our, our legislators, I mean, maybe we could also run, run for office. That's a, that's, that's a real possibility for when we're talking about playing this out in the years to come, uh, because the, the, the fight is going to be at home. The fight is, as you know, it's at our doorstep and it's going to, these, these assholes and they're not, Bracken ain't stopping. He's not stopping. Uh, neither is Snavely, neither is right. They don't know any better and they're not stopping and they're going to follow the Pied Piper to hell and, and, and thinking they're doing good for the people. Uh, but while at the same time inst instigating tyranny. Uh, let me ask you then about this. I mean, given the, the current status of things with the potential for masks to, to make their way back, I of course think it's a hilarious sociological experiment. I wouldn't be surprised if endless people went along with it again. Because I think deep down, they actually believe it to, of course, be a preventative measure. I mean, hell, people still wear them for Christ's sake. But uh, even with that aside, 
given the mass noncompliance that did occur the last time around, and of course everything that we know now, and everything that even the sheep know now, even though they may have gone along with it the first time around, what do you see people in the town where we live doing, if anything? I mean, is mass noncompliance going to be a, a a larger part of what we see? Um, you know, even with school enforcing it or attempting to enforce it, of course, they don't know the legal definition of the word mandate, neither does city council. I mean, they couldn't impl- they couldn't enforce something like this even based on that definition because they were receiving money in order to enforce it. So that right there blows up the definition of the word mandate. But with all of that aside, do you see more people pushing back? Do you see more people taking their taking their kids out of school or do you see people just kind of willfully you know just follow, following along again well in our town i mean jesus we let's is, is oxford is full of zombies i i i anticipate if i were to have to play out that hypothetical uh i would hope that more people i, I was hoping we'd start seeing more homeschool networks and more get your kids out of these places man get them out i understand the difficulty that it is and, and the, the difficulty involved in that but get them out start homeschooling networks i was disappointed to say the least to not see that i would like to hope that we're going to see more there would be more parents pulling their kids out of school for they muzzle them again suffocate them again my god what are you all gonna but uh in oxford i would anticipate seeing more like i would bet that the people that come into town let's say from indiana or from Kroger, like they go to kroger go to the places i would say that they won't do it it depends, I guess, on how pervasive it is. If it's only, you know, the psychovilles like Oxford and Athens and, you know, your Yellow Springs and these places of bastions of leftist lunacy, then I would anticipate more people from Hamilton, like more people from outside that come into Oxford not doing it. But as a whole, Oxford, Ohio is full of, you know, brain dead zombies and we're going to see if they say jump they'll put their how high mr government they'll put their mask back on and start suffocating themselves and i don't see oxford being much different than what we saw honestly maybe like if you talk about percentages i'm sure this i mean it's happened all the damn time with me sure it happened with the no happened with you too i'd have to psych myself up just to go into Kroger's. I'd be the only one in there without a mask all the oftentimes. And it was so gleeful to see someone else didn't have one on, but uh, it's shocking to me. It was 90. It was, I was the only one. So I would anticipate it would be a less percentage. I mean, maybe 80%, but I would say most people will just go right up, right back along. They'll, they'll, they'll just dust off their old mask, put it in the washing machine and get and go on out and do it. What do you think? I mean, what, you know Oxford. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. That's why I kind of want to see it again. <laughs> I really, I really do. I want, I want, yeah. I want city council to impose this again uh, for all the businesses because I want to see what the reaction is going to be. I want to see what the business owners are going to do. Are the business owners going to say we're over this? No more. We're not participating. Come on in. And then I want to see what the the, the ping pong game is going to be. Yep. What, what, what is city council going to try to get the police to do? Are the right. police really going exactly. to go door to door and start fining all of these businesses because they're choosing to not participate in this bullshit? I, I yep. think that that right there is going to be amazing to watch and amazing to hear. Same thing with the school district. The, the uh, You know, a school board meeting, 
when when there's the threat to impose another mask mandate. That school board meeting is going to be packed to the gills. It's going to be 80-20, 80% saying no, 20% saying yes. Uh, the school board, of course, is going to say, well, this is going to come down from the health department, and it's their recommendation, and they're seeing more cases and blah, blah, blah. And then, again, the sheep are going to be the ones that say, hey, look, you're in a tough position, but thank you, government, like you said. Right. They're going to thank them, and we know you want to keep our kids safe. Oh, 100%. And, again, I, I think, too, that it's going to force a number of them to just stop the meetings. The people are going to get so loud regarding not wanting to comply anymore that they will, they will close the meetings and, uh, and, and they'll just shorten them as much as they possibly can. Again, even with that said, I think more and more people will pull their kids out of school permanently this time around because they're tired of being jacked around. Yeah. Uh, if this comes to pass, I'm just thinking about it as you're speaking. I mean, I, it's just, I'm, there's a part of me that I feel like I shouldn't go in to talk to city council with the current litigation, but I want to. But if this happens again, I am not going to be, be silent. I'm going to be very much advocating. I'm going to look into this Ohio revised code when we get off this call to just find this suffocation thing. Like that's what they're doing to children. It's child abuse. And I'm going to advocate when I speak, if this comes uh, to all of us to really start filing criminal complaints, because these are crimes that these people are committing. Uh, we should be filing lawsuits. I was, I was kicked out of the rec center. This is another thing. I mean, I could, I could very easily have a lawsuit against Miami university right now. I just can't, I have too much on my plate. Uh, but I was kicked out of the rec center for going to my son's swim meet without a mat. You know, they, they kicked me out. They singled me out, uh, got all the body cam videos from it. And it's a, it would be a pretty open and shut lawsuit. But uh, so that happened to me. I, it was, it, I got kicked out of multiple places in <clears throat> Oxford, Mac and Joe's, you know, the liquor store, like just terrible place when this happened. But I would like to see it also from a, I feel like so much more empowered now. Uh, knowing what I know now, obviously, versus what we knew three years ago. Uh, and it would be an interesting, just from a case study, it would be, that's what I was, that's how I, that's how I was playing a, you know, uh, a positive, being as positive as I could. I feel like we cut our, like being in Oxford, it's like being in Berkeley, like being in Boulder. It's like being in just the most lunatic place. And we got to cut our teeth there, you know, to walk proudly. To, to know what it feels like to be the only one in a whole, like a whole place walking proudly without a, without suffocating yourself. Like it really taught me a lot and it made me and emboldened me in so many ways that I would, I would relish it to a degree also, but there's part of me. I just, I just can't imagine it with like these Supreme court cases that went down and uh, I, the, the, the narrative was, is getting destroyed. It's getting destroyed in the courts. It's getting destroyed in the Supreme Court, in the appeals courts. It's, it's, <clears throat> I just can't imagine it. But, you know, never underestimate the, the power of stupidity and, and tyranny and, uh, you know, <laughs> never do that. But it's just, it's hard for me to wrap my head around seeing it again. Like I said, it's going to be real interesting with the business owners, too. And, the Chamber of Commerce and them meeting with the Chamber of Commerce and saying, hey, look, even if they approached city council and they said, look, as a Chamber of Commerce, if they approached the city and said, look, you can put forth whatever ordinance you want, but these businesses are not going to comply. We've met with yep. en enough business owners. They've said, no, it's not going to happen. Then it boils down again, like I said earlier, to the police. They're already short staffed. Yep. 
They don't want to go door to door and piss off the public. The vast majority of them are, are God-loving Americans. They're hardworking. Yep. They have families. They don't want to jerk people around. It's just going to it's gonna continue to single out the individuals who allegedly yes. took an oath of office and, uh, and are overstepping their bounds, as we both know. So, Yeah, and I do think that Chief Jones, even though, I mean, uh, there's my brother Jace says, hey, he, he, he's even worse because he, he voiced his disapproval of this mass gathering ones. He was very vocal about pleading with the city council, don't pass this, please. He seems like a reasonable guy, but he's unfortunately beholden to these psychos you know, so uh, I, he wasn't down with this whole thing with the mask. I, I don't think that he's into in with it. But at the same time, he's not. He's not. He doesn't have the strong will. Uh, he doesn't have the fortitude, the backbone to not follow unconstitutional. He's showed his true colors when it comes to that. So I'm under no illusions that he'll do the right thing this time. But I'm hopeful because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take real people. Not following unjust orders. I mean, God bless. I, I was just doing my job is not an excuse anymore. But yeah. that's what people still do. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.